Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Michael Walsh. We hope you enjoy. I had a, a question. Um, yeah. We're talking about you coming in and doing all this really uh, a character-centric stuff, especially over at Marvel, but you're not always launching things. You're subbing in for people. Uh, so how do you come into a situation like that? How do you sort of bring your own thing to the character without stepping on the toes of who might be before or after you in the lineup? Uh, do you try and just like really capture what someone's doing beforehand or, or hone some of that? Uh, what's your process on a situation like that? I did. I did. Definitely. I think I, and I think to the fault of my own work on those stories, um, I think that, Walta has such a distinct style on vision that, and when I came mm -hmm. in, I tried to do more, um, more line work and to try and capture some of the things that he was doing. And I'm not sure that, I think it's a great issue, but I just, I don't know that it's the best that my work could be on that book. And then mm -hmm. the same thing happened on Hawkeye where I was following Leo Romero, who is also one of the greats right yeah, now working. Yeah. And so I tried to strip down a lot and to work in a very open line, um, mm -hmm. which again, you know, I'm trying something new. So when you're trying something new, you're not going to put your best foot forward because you're still figuring it out. I think of all those books, actually, probably my strongest work was on um, Spider-Man. Um, I was following up Andy Kubert, who was doing this um, kind of a gray wash. And mm -hmm. I do enjoy doing the gray wash. And I, and I kind of pushed back just to my own my own leanings because Kubert's style is so different than mine anyways that I didn't feel like I was going to try and emulate what he was doing or capture it. But I did try and do the gray wash so that the coloring laid on the page the same way. And I feel like that was probably the most successful um, in terms of just art primarily of those of those fill-ins that I did at that time. Uh, but it's a really tough thing. And I don't really want to do it that anymore, honestly. Um, <laughs> sure. Follow up other artists and get in that headspace of should I, shouldn't I be futzing mm -hmm. with my style to match what readers of the book are expecting. I don't I, I don't want to be at that point anymore, frankly. Sure. Do you think it is like a an important thing? I think I know the answer to this, but do do you think it's important for there to be this continuity to a book style, or or is it sort of on a case by case basis? I don't know. I I it's hard as a reader. I don't like when artists shift off of books that are artists that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, I would my preference would be let them uh, let the book skip a month and then come back with the same artist but i know that that's not how people buy books i know that readership drops when you do that so i understand why they don't do that it's tough mm -hmm. i don't really i don't really know i don't i think my answer would be not the answer that any publisher would ever do because it's not good financially um right i i'm super but, in no, 
I don't know. It depends on the artist and it depends on who's coming in. I think that's a that's a loaded question and I don't know if sure. there's a real yeah. black and white answer to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm super amused by this sort of line of questioning though because you go on at a certain point and we're jumping ahead a bunch, but that's okay. You go on to make a book where <laughs> the art stays the same, but the writing changes all the time, which is yeah. Silver Coin, where the, the only continuity in the creative team is is you on art right. um how did how did silver coin start like where where does that start for you what was the idea why did you why did you do it i don't actually know i wrote part of it and i don't actually know why you did it. <laughs> why are you doing this sure all right one um i mean i loved it i think it's a great idea it's funny because like definitely i i remember when you talk to me about it first like you were like yeah i'm thinking about doing this thing and i was kind of like has anyone ever done this before like it's so backwards to how things work (laughs) that it felt to me like well this is doomed because it's just so backwards to the way things work and then when it worked and it was a hit and people loved it i was like well now we're going to see a lot of these and sure enough we do not <laughs> like this yeah. comics was just like yeah that's weird that's a hard really hard thing <laughs> so like where, why did you decide to do it um i was finishing black hammer justice league i knew that i wanted to write more of my own work i'd only really done a few short stories and single issues of things here and there um and i did not think that image would give me a chance to write my own book there i Mm -hmm. thought that a good way of hedging my bets would be to create a horror book where i could still write a bunch of it but then bring on some writers that i really enjoyed working with so i mean i thought it was a really fun idea and i and i all the writers that i worked with on that except for you i really like Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) as people and like i really i knew that i enjoyed working with them and stuff so um i i already had worked with most of the people on on silver coin and i knew what to expect and i knew that they were going to bring their best foot forward and i also just like wanted to see what some of those writers were going to do in the horror world with a one shot yeah also um but yeah so i i I was working with jeff at the time i had just finished that thing with the spider-man with chip and i had just finished hawkeye with kelly so it was like really people that i had just worked with and i and i brought the idea to them and they were all on board and uh yeah eric instantly thought it was a good idea he said he had been like talking to people about like why has this not happened as well yeah and i think it's the it's this thing where like as an artist you're working so much and you're drawing like you know 12 hours a day sometimes that the business side of things, the PR side of things, all that stuff is not is so very rarely handled by the artist. And also like when you're working with editorial, you know, a lot of times you're not even talking to the writer. You're, you're getting small notes here and there from editorial, but you're cut out of so many of the conversations that I think mm-hmm. artists that have been around for a long time, haven't really ever been a part of those conversations and haven't had the incentive to do it themselves. And I didn't have, uh, I had like a, a a copy editor and a story editor, but I didn't have an editor that was doing the logistics of the book either. So I was kind of just bullheadedly brunt forcing it to, to, to make it work, to just get everybody involved and organizing it all myself. And I think that a lot of artists just don't have the time to do that. Sure. You know, it was a real labor of love and a passion for me. Um, 
to get that book done. And, uh, and I think you have to really sacrifice a lot to do that. And a lot of artists aren't willing to do that. And I think a lot of artists who are working at Marvel and DC don't want to go do a book at image without an advance to be frank. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, to not get paid for whatever, six, eight, 10 months a year, even of working, you know, a lot of people can't afford to do that, but I had saved a bunch of money from, from my time at Marvel. Mm -hmm. I think with Ethan and I, you know, dipping our toes into, um, the world of creator owned comics and working with image and the, the project manager of it all, like you're saying, um, not a question, just saying very admirable of you to be <laughs> spearheading all of that. And then also doing, you know, the art that we know, you know, takes so, so much longer than it does sometimes to, uh, write a script. So mm -hmm. I think what I'm saying is you're a fucking madman. And <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> since that, no, since I, that wasn't I, a question. I can spin it into a there you go. Yeah, there you go. The see, uh, this is the synergy. This yeah, is where you yeah, have yeah, us yeah, here, yeah. Matt. Uh, I, what, horror comic, horror com We've talked about it a little bit on the show, but horror comics are super interesting. Matt, you've talked about not always clicking with them. Sure. Uh, and they are, it is like a really uh, tricky medium to execute horror. And, um, and Silver Coin is super interesting, as you were saying, because you see how all these different writers uh try their own hand at it your stuff like hits so interestingly to me like sleep stories was super like inspiring to me because it's like that imagery there was like something about that stuff that like really like like itched at my brain in a way that like comics usually don't um and i found that so interesting and like the way that you sort of i feel like push the boundaries of what comics can do to creep you out um and like do you ever find because comics are like a still medium and they kind of require the reader to like set their own pace with how they, how they move through it. Do you find yourself often like brushing up against the limitations of the medium in how it can freak it, freak the audience out? And like, how, how do you kind of push past that and how do you kind of find new ways to uh, get under people's skin? Yeah, it's tough because it, to me having, um, successful horror in comics is all about the pacing mm -hmm. and the slower pace the build to the actual horrible awful imagery the, <laughs> the more effective it is the problem is there's so little space in a single issue to actually do that effectively right. that it's really tough to sell the queasiness that you want to that you want to get across it's so hard to do um and that's like one of the things about silver coin that I really like is that the writers will often let me mess around a little bit with the structure of, of the way that the scares happen or, or the, the creepy moments, the way that it builds to them. Sometimes I'll have, have some ideas with how it could be more effective because I think some of that stuff really should be left in the hands of the artist who's, who's yeah. drawing it. Like I think when you're doing horror, a lot of communication is important and, um, and I think that like letting the artists really tell the story at their own pace is also important too. But it, right. like I said, you know, you've got 20, 22 pages in the comic. It's tough to, to do that effectively. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I feel like my script that I did for silver coin was so rigid 
and so tightly controlling more than I normally would be because I had that dumb idea to be like, we're going to nine panel grid it like it's a building because it's a building that takes place in a skyscraper. <laughs> so I'm glad to know that that is not at all what you like or enjoy. <laughs> no, but 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 your issue did that really effectively because there was I find that like a nine panel grid slows down the reading. Sure. Yeah, and if you have a nine-panel grid with no dialogue, and the re and you try and pack those panels with little visual tidbits to keep them reading slowly, and then they turn the page into something that's really breathtaking, then that's when horror yeah. is successful. And you had a ton of those moments, which yeah. I thought like people really connected with your issue. Yeah, I, I had a blast with it. it. Was a it was a puzzle trying to figure that out, but yeah, I yeah. think we did something really cool and special. Yeah, it's funny because I I. I wrote mine and then I feel like right after you drew, like not long after you drew mine and I was like, I, like, and I wrote it, you know, very much with you in mind. And I was like, Walsh can fill these windows. Like he can make this feel like what I want it to be, which is just like that feeling of like driving down a highway and you look in, you know, a skyscraper's windows and you're just like getting glimpses of people's lives. And it's sort mm -hmm. of voyeuristic and unpleasant and seedy and, creepy and and wonderful and exciting and i knew you could do that and then i read right after that james tynan sent me his script and he was like hey tell me if this is good and he goes so the opposite direction and it's it's my favorite issue in of the book i think is james's because the build is so fucking slow mm -hmm. to it being unpleasant where, where it's just like it's unpleasant the entire time but it's unpleasant in this like just dread inspiring way of just like <laughs> god this is gonna fucking be awful and then it is fucking awful and it's great and like it was funny to see i was like oh yeah that's that's how you how you do that i <laughs> i really i liked james's issue a lot because i have that thing where if i'm not eating but i'm sitting at a table with other people who are eating and i'm watching them eat it it absolutely disgusts me a little bit uh, you know yeah. that that just the visual of people eating so in James's issue, I just drew tons of that in there that wasn't in the script. Like any chance that I had, any space that I could, I would draw somebody eating and uh -huh. to just try and build that repulsion uh, yeah, up yeah. until the things really kick off. But yeah, that was a super fun issue. What um what was your favorite issue? Just answer. Just you. Just no one listens to the podcast. It's just us here. That's tough. No, it's not. Just answer. You're a liar. You're you're putting on a show to make it seem like it's tough. You got a favorite one. Just say what it is. Well, I've done, I drew 15 issues of this so far. And you can't pick um, your own. The ones you wrote. That's a cop out. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was your least favorite? We'll do this one. What was your least favorite? I'm not going to answer that one. It's we'll bleep it out. It's fine. <laughs> we'll cut it. We'll probably cut it. Maybe we'll cut it. Just who 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 was the most unpleasant to work with? You can you can say true. okay. It's yeah, okay. I, 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 it's mm. honestly impossible because I was at such a different part in each of my lives, but or each of in my life when I was drawing each of those issues. Mm -hmm. But I actually really loved drawing Josh Williamson's issue in the arcade. Oh yeah, because I I grew up in as an arcade rat, and uh -huh. it just like it really hit hit me. And I just like I didn't really use a lot of reference for that one or anything. I just kind of went with the way that my mind remembered arcades in the nineties. So that was a really fun one to draw. Sure. Um, I don't really like, I don't really have a favorite. I, I have, I enjoyed different issues for different reasons. I think that some of the issues 
are more visual. Some of the issues are more complex. Some of them are character studies. Some of them are very plot heavy. You know, some of them are slashers. They really, there's a lot of genre hopping within horror because there's so many yeah. subgenres of horror. So, um, I mean, honestly, probably one of my favorite issues were probably the ones that I wrote to draw because I really do enjoy drawing myself, drawing my own words. <laughs> Mm. So one but, thing uh, Matt said you couldn't say. Yeah, we, there's rules well, on the podcast. I'm breaking your rules. I'm sorry. Uh, um, so I, I'm curious. You you said like you know you wanted to. Uh, you didn't think Image would let you do the book if it was just you if you were just yeah. writing it. And so then you you start doing this, and immediately because you're out of your mind, you also start doing uh, a book at Humanoids. <laughs> at the same time yeah right? that wasn't that just happened that didn't that was you know i had been talking to humanoids about that book for a little while and it was a book that i'd always wanted to do um because i love all ages fantasy fantasy yeah. is like a huge genre for me i was obsessed with lord of the rings wizard of Earth, never ending story growing up they were always my favorite stories so i always wanted to do more stuff in that and that kind of um big mythology world building Mm -hmm. uh type stories but uh i humanoids had reached out to me rob levin had had just started there and he was looking to bring some projects and he said you know we're interested in having you write and draw something what what kind of ideas are you pitching right now what kind of stuff do you have um in your folders and uh and this was when i just i just talked to him about it and and we had talked about it for a long time and then they had greenlit that and as they greenlit that image greenlit silver coin so i ended up having both of these projects right on my slate at the exact same time it was tough that was a really hard year <clears throat> yeah i i'm I, I i didn't realize that they were like the same time i thought that the humanoids book was after and so i was very intrigued by the fact that you're like i'm getting my name out there more as a writer by doing this like complex horror thing so i'm gonna go do a ya book um and I, I just was curious about your thought process, but is there, was there a, uh, a thought process like in sort of creatively balancing yourself or like career wise showing diversity, or were you just like, these two books happen to be the two books I want to do? Like how much? Yeah, no, it was, it was just literally coincidental. I like if humanoids had, had shown interest in one of the other ideas that was not that I would have just jumped at it because I was trying to get more work writing at that time right so mm -hmm. there wasn't really a strategic career decision it was just um this is what the publishers were interested in uh, when I was bringing out ideas so you talked about you know Jeff Lemire and and how much you know it's, he's sort of inspiration which I think anyone who makes comics Jeff is sort of an inspiration right um uh, I, I find Jeff, I mean, I, I feel like we've even talked about this once that like he put out a thing that was like, here's my work day. And like, it was like a run through of how his day works and like what he does in a day. And I, I like just the volume of work he puts out versus like how much time he spends doing it made no, like I was like, I mathematically can't make this make sense. Like, he has to have two or three days like hidden in extra days a week to make this work for me. Um, but you, you talked about that and like, you're obviously someone who like got, got to start drawing other people's stuff and now you're doing drawing and writing your own stuff. And silver coin was a, you know, very huge task and obviously a labor of love, but like, it was really you. And I'll, I have to say, you know, uh, 
I've worked on a lot of people's books. That was one of the best organized projects I've ever worked on. It was very like tightly run. Like you were very good at steering the ship. And um, do you, how much do you, now that you've written some stuff, how much do you want to be like, how has this steered your career? Like, how is this, do you want to be writing for other artists? Do you want to be just drawing things now and not thinking about and having to plan that much stuff? Do you want to be doing everything yourself? Like you had this brutal year of making books, like where, when you come out of that, what, what are you thinking about your future? Yeah. So I think my, I was thinking about this recently. What, like, what does my ideal workload look like? Um, And I think ideally I would be writing one creator on book for another artist, I would be writing one work for hire book mm-hmm. and then drawing one book. And whether I'm writing the book that I'm drawing or another writer is writing it, I think that would just depend on what's available to me at that time. Um, like I'm still interested in working with other writers after Silver Coin. Um, there's a, yeah, I've got projects like far ahead on the horizon that I'm, I'm working with other writers, but um, I just really want to work with writers that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, whose work I have read and I'm a fan of their their output so so far. Um, but I, I, I will be probably primarily writing my own stuff from here on out. But I do want to write for other artists. I've got, I'm not going to like formally announce it, but I'm writing a creator owned uh, with another artist attached right now. And it's been an absolute blast. And I love shifting the, the collaboration. And, um, and it's really fun to see how an artist can bring a complete different visual identity to a book than, than what I would have done, but it strengthens it, strengthens it for that reason. Um, yeah. So I, I'm definitely interested in, in, in dabbling in both. Um, I just like, <clears throat> I, I booked too much for myself right now and I'm not as productive as I was pre baby, even, even though he's sleeping well now, uh, my, my office is at home. So just having him around, I'm just not as productive. I want to jump out and hold him for 20 minutes and play with him, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get time in with him as well and, and just get back into a routine and a schedule slowly but surely. Now that you're, is this the first time you've written something for another artist on like this scale? Yes, on this scale, for sure. This is the, it's the first time I've, it's a 12 issue series. It's the first time I've written 12 issues of something consecutively. So wow. it, yeah, it's a big, uh, big undertaking. Where, where, where are you on it now? Uh, I'm on issue three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like, um, by the time this is out, it'll probably be announced, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, probably. Um, but w- the, we can we can go back in and fake your voice and you can just talk about it. We'll do it, we'll do it with AI. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, how do you feel like as a writer, do you feel like you you of the, all the different writers you've worked with, do you feel like that shaped your writing? Do you feel like, oh, I do this because this person, I learned this from a writer doing this for me when I was drawing and I like that or like, or the inverse. Are there people who do things where you're like, oh, I, I, I want to do that, but I hate it. Or are there things where you're like, I hated this when I was drawing someone else's script that they wrote, but I understand why and I do it now. Like, what are you bringing to the writing that you learned from just drawing someone else's script? That's interesting. I feel like just the way that scripts are structured, there's like small things that 
writers could do that would make it easy to easier to conceptualize as an artist. I really, for me personally, I really like when it says how many panels are on the page at the top before you even start reading. I do that. So page one, six panels, <laughs> and then it has all the panels. And I don't like scripts to be overly descriptive of what's in the panel because I find I do that if if <laughs> if uh, if a writer gets into like the minutia of a panel sometimes it's not clear what, what the most important things in that panel mm -hmm. are um, when a script is overwritten. So like, I try not to overwrite the description of the panel. If I have a clear idea of what I think would really work, I'll put that in. But generally, I don't think I like, I, I'm sure that subconsciously I've pulled a ton from all the people that I've worked with. And I've worked with like, I don't know, everybody that I've worked with has had a completely different way of writing scripts. I don't really think there is that template to like the perfect comic script. And I think uh -huh. it is really dependent on the artist you've worked, you're working with and what, what, how they like to read scripts. So I think that more than anything, just communication is important, right? Uh, I think talking to your artist the whole way through asking them what's working for them and having an open line of communication. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I've, what I've learned. It's hard to distill that after 10 years of work into Sure. One small thing. Um, well, that makes sense, I guess. I was really looking for some real insight on how to be a better writer, but I guess <laughs> I'm not getting that today. Um, you know, we'll get well next time. We'll have another artist on, and they'll tell me how to do it. <laughs> right to your artist. Right to your artist. Well, no, I, I think it's fascinating because I, <laughs> I do believe, like, yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, the script is a conversation, right? It's a conversation yeah. between the artist and the writer, and you're telling them. But I'm also like someone who talks too much in conversation and like someone who just is like too intense about the things that I, I care about. And so my scripts are conversations, but they're the very annoying conversations you'd have with me in person. So like, <laughs> I, I'm always like, uh, you know, I, I start every script and I go, you know, I, I lay out how a page looks pretty detailed, but I tell every artist, like, this is just how I see it in my head, like throw it out if it doesn't work for you. But if you're having a like lazy day or you're like, I don't know how to do this page, like here's one idea, but I don't care if it comes back and it doesn't look like this. Yeah. And, and that's always like sort of my approach is just like, it's a conversation where I'm going to tell you about, you know, how I think a, how a comic book appears in my head. And then you're going to show me how it appears in your head. And like, mm -hmm. you're going to be right. And that's going to be awesome. But like, I thought it might be helpful if you knew how it appeared in my head. And I'm, totally. I, you know, and I, I think, you know, I, I got very self-conscious about it at one point, just from like reading so many big two scripts that are just like four panels, Thor shows up, fights someone leaves. And you're just yeah. like, man, you're not giving this person, like, this isn't enjoyable to read and you're not giving them anything, but like, maybe that's what I should be doing. And I, I remember calling Tyler and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about really scaling my scripts back to you. So they're just like, I let you shine more. And he was like, I really don't want that. Like, I really <laughs> like the idea that you're mm -hmm. communicating to me what you're seeing. He throws it out most of the time, but he's right. like, I like having it. It's and also, it's more work. For the artist if you don't have it right because then they sure. have to figure so much more out if it's all there on the page then they they have less critical problem solving to do yeah 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 and like yeah you you can solve the problem any way you want but like i have a solution and if that yeah, helps you exactly. cool, and if it doesn't help you whatever 
the one I always feel I always feel like I should just be like they fight it looks cool figure it out <laughs> but I feel like an asshole because fighting is so hard in comics that like it I is. feel like I should make an effort to be like this is why it looks cool but like really I, you're gonna make it look cool or not and it's very little to do with me yeah fighting I just did uh, the second issue of the thing I was just talking about is almost a 20 page fight scene I think it's 17 or so of the pages are are, oh, are one long fight and so it was interesting choreographing that with the artist because I had beats for you know I I I put six panels seven panels eight panels I had the page page panel count on the page and I had what all the beats were of the fight but I said to him like I don't however you're envisioning this go for it right it's Mm -hmm. like you said you 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 give them a solution but not the solution yeah um one thing that I do find really important for me personally because of the way that I work and the way that I think about characters is having the dialogue because I've had a lot of scripts in Mm. my career that come in without the dialogue on the page yet and I do so much acting acting with my characters Mm. that like how can you even have characters reacting to each other if you don't know what they're saying like as i'm drawing i'm going through what they're saying constantly in my head how are they saying this how would their mouth twist in one way or would they be squinting you know like all all those are things i think about but if the dialogue's not there i've got nothing to go on so that's one that's really important for me is that making sure that the dialogue's there and the dialogue can be you know rewrite the dialogue after you know to your heart's content i think that's an important thing to do too as a writer is to go back and look at the art and maybe rewrite Mm -hmm. a few little things where it's not it's not Mm -hmm. gelling perfectly with what the artist did but um i think having that dialogue there on the first pass is really important yeah for me personally yeah yeah i would never do a script that doesn't have that i feel the same and like acting is so important in the books to me i feel like in the last couple years i've started adding like not just dialogue but also just like emotion like notes on the emotion because i'm like well he's gonna say a thing because you you get so many artists especially in superhero comics who are like this is all intense like yeah so everything is like if someone says something like they're gonna say it yelling and angry and intense and i'm like no like this person is subdued and calm but they're saying a really intense thing but like from a place of exhaustion or from a place of sadness or like you know you know remorse or what, whatever it is but like i i try and spell that out on the page now too because i i feel like you don't the the emotion on the page is so important and people are you know if you're not conveying that to your artist then you're really fucking up and gonna get back a very different thing than what you thought you were gonna get back yeah i think superhero acting in general is very very dramatic when yeah. you look at the page like it's very, very dramatic. And those are the books as a reader that I'm not as, as super interested in. I like some more subtlety to the work personally. I remember years ago when I was at Marvel, like Joe Quesada talking about, you know, the Jack Kirby, like he's like everything a Jack Kirby character does is the most dramatic thing. Like when the human, when the human torch answers a phone, he like like, answers. Yeah. And then he throws (laughs) it down. And and like, you see that bombast in like Joe Quesada's art that he's really like doing that. And I'm, you know, but at the same time, I'm looking at like David Aha's work and being like, yeah, but like, that's not who Hawkeye is. That's not who, you know, like, looking at Walter's work and being like, that's not who the vision is. Like he's not throwing a phone. He's not the most dramatic. He's the least dramatic person in, in any scene. Like he's, yeah. he's removed from that. 
Um, and we're and, not saying like the other end of the spectrum is unjustified, but not every book should have that kind of art. Oh, Just as yeah. like Walter shouldn't be on every book, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'd be happy if he was, but he shouldn't be. Why are you trying to take work away from Walter? That's the headline. That's the that that'll be the the <laughs> article after this. Michael Walsh says Walter shouldn't work. Um, <laughs> oh you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, we don't endorse it here, but this is a safe space for you to say what you believe. You told us who your least favorite uh, story on Silver Coin was. You said who you don't think should be drawing comics. It's fine. <laughs> you, say, you say what you want. Wait, uh, what was my least favorite story on Silver Coin? We cut it out. We bleeped it. But you said oh, and it was okay. shocking and it was upsetting. Oh, right, okay. And it okay. wasn't mine. And it specifically wasn't mine. And it was and it wasn't yours. And it was upsetting. And it was Ed's. And um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm sort of curious though. Like now you've done Silver Coin, and and you've done your YA book. Like, what do you feel like? I don't know why. There's something about your career, and maybe it's just because I've known you for almost your whole comics career that I, I see you very sort of meticulously maneuvering where mm-hmm. you're, you're doing a small creator owned book, but it's an image book. And then you're getting on a license and moving that from that to like Marvel stuff and moving to more prestigious Marvel stuff and then doing your own stuff and doing stuff where you can write. And um, it all feels very planned out and maybe it's not, maybe that's just how it feels for me, but like, where do you, what do you still need to do? Like, what are you looking at? in terms of your career where you're like, that's where I need to be going. That's what I need to be doing. And whether it be like career wise or creatively, like what kind of stuff you need to make? Like, do you think about that stuff? Oh, I do all the time. Yeah. I mean, especially like as having a child makes you think about the future and in some different ways, but I always was kind of forward thinking with the gigs that I was taking when I had options. Mm -hmm. Um, and so silver coin has presented me with a lot of opportunities and it's been i've been tossing up between a lot of things right now trying to figure out what the best move is for me and and like i said i'm trying to do more writing i'm trying to broaden the scope of the things that i've been writing and drawing for myself um so in the future i'm planning to write and draw something for myself that's you know a mini and then and then something more long form uh, writing for other artists, a mini, and then a maxi. And, um, and then, you know, I, I'm not opposed to going back to work for hire stuff. Um, I think that if I'm going back to work for hire, I'd like to be launching new books instead of doing fill-ins with, sure. uh, with maybe with writers I haven't worked with yet that I, I'm a big fan of. So um, I'm just looking to keep raising my profile with the work that I do right now and, and trying to do things that make a bit of a splash um, mm-hmm. and using the momentum that I have from silver coin to, to, to move into something bigger and, and better. Cool. That was a good answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's tough though. You know how it is. It's it, when you get offered multiple projects as someone who's been freelancing for a long time it's hard to say no to things but sure. you have to you have to yeah no i th- i you know i i asked because i feel like there are very few 
we can all look at everyone's career and sort of sit there and go like, well, why did they do that? And like, what yeah. was that about? And you're one of those people where like, nothing has ever made me question it. Every move you've made, I've been like, that's smart. That's a good choice mm -hmm. for him. Like, that's clever. That'll, yeah. that'll work out well. Um, and so I, you know, and I've talked to you about stuff in the past. So I knew that you, you think about it in ways that I think other people don't. Um, and some, some people don't, obviously some people think about it all the time, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like, yes, being offered stuff. And when you're a freelancer, you're trained that, you know, starvation is always around the corner that you're, you know, um, when I was a kid, my dad was a freelance writer and he, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was worked all the time. And I remember saying to him as a little kid being like, you're, you're taking another job. Like you're never home. Cause he was on TV sets a lot and movie sets a lot. And he, he said, well, you know, better too much work than too little. And, uh, you know, to me, it was like something you just, you know, it didn't really mean anything. And then I realized when I was older, like, you know, like years later as an adult working and my mom was like, you're working too much. And I said, better too much work than too little. And she was like, did you just quote your father? <laughs> and like, I don't think it was a good moment necessarily as much as I wanted, you know, as much as it's sweet or whatever. I don't think it was inspiring for my mom. I don't think that was something that made her happy, but like there is a sort of, um, an inherent hunger that you never feel safe and you never feel comfortable and yeah. I think that's good and bad in comics, but I'm always fascinated by the people who navigate that smartly, who know how to steer through, don't let the hunger steer the ship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's tougher now where like, I think I was in a position where I could say no to projects and then maybe not work for a month or two until the right thing came. Mm -hmm. But with a kid at home with Tony Marie not working, it's a little bit harder to do that, but mm -hmm. Luckily, I've been offered things consistently, um, you know, since I took some time off with the baby that I've been able to fill up my plate to the brim for, you know, like almost two years at this point. Um, so when, I've do you, got, when do you think the kid is going to start pulling his weight in the house? <laughs> I'm hoping soon. I'm going to yeah. get a, a brush in his hand so I can get an assistant anchor going in the next nice. maybe like at two two years old he can two. start spotting blacks yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm hoping <laughs> yeah i don't see any reason why not if you get him early it's it's just you know it's free labor and that's what you want from kids right yeah that's why that's why we had him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well i don't really have anything else to ask you i feel like that's literally everything i've ever wanted to know about you <laughs> that's For, it that's all you ever wanted to know yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, everything else I pretty much asked you before or uh, doesn't, you know, I'm like, I don't want to know that about him. What are you okay. uh, what are your hopes and dreams? Mike, let's ask that. That's our last question. What are your hopes and dreams for the world? For the, oh, for the world? For the world. I hope everybody's going to be OK. Shit, that's a good one. Um, Michael Walsh. Thank you for coming on and chatting with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. This that was, was really fun. This was fun. And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Michael Walsh. Make sure to check out The Silver Coin as well as everything else he's working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Walsh. 
To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.